0: How much do you know about pregnancy and alcohol? The reality may surprise you. Alcohol exposure while in the womb may cause fetal alcohol spectrum disorder or FASD in unborn children. It is more common than many people realise. It may lead to lifelong physical and developmental impairments such as problems with memory, attention, cause and effect reasoning and difficulties in adapting situations. For such an impactful disorder, it is rarely spoken about in the popular media. This podcast will take you behind the scenes to chat with the people who understand FASD and find out about this surprising reality. Welcome, welcome everyone. Thank you for coming into the latest episode of our little podcast. My name is Kurt Lewis, your friendly neighborhood podcaster slash interviewer slash definitely an idiot after I there was a false start before. But today I'm chatting with Dr. John Harper for the second time today who wants to give a GP's perspective on alcohol and pregnancy.
1: Dr. John, do you
0: often listen to podcasts?
1: I do. I listen to podcasts a lot. Actually, I, I quite often download them and, and listen to them in the car. I listen to some... I like listening to podcasts about different things, like not not necessarily medical things. I quite like listening to things about literature and music and... Um, podcasters with interesting people talking so yeah
0: yeah well hopefully this will be one of your mm. very listing lists although after i made a mistake earlier and forgot to press the record button down <laughs> and we did a whole probably five minutes five to six minutes of podcasting recording without recording so hopefully oh. the second time around will be even better than the first with much less mistakes on my part <laughs> so for uh what is your role had let the listeners write what is your role
1: uh, so I have two jobs. My one job is a GP, so I work as a GP in Budrum on the Sunshine Coast. And then my other job is as a GP liaison officer for the Primary Health Network uh, on the Sunshine Coast. And that job is basically involves helping uh, other GPs in the area to know how to refer to other health services like public hospitals and community services and things like that. One of the jobs that I have is to head up a website which houses all this information about how gps can and refer to different services all the sort of phone numbers fax numbers for those services uh, their criteria for referral and that sort of stuff so i i spend a bit of my time doing that as well
0: mm, sounds interesting so what drew you into becoming a doctor was there like a passion was there like a spider-man moment what yeah. what drew you to this particular position
1: uh, well, I think maybe from, from my early childhood, I've been involved in hospitals. My mum's a physiotherapist. And I remember as a as a child, leaving primary school each day and wandering down the hill from my school to meet my mum in the hospital. And I remember walking into the hospitals and, and walking around and thinking that uh, this is a pretty cool place to work. So I think maybe very early on, I thought hospitals would be a good, good place to work. And then I, as I went through school, I quite enjoyed learning about how things work and how uh, the human body works and science and things like that. And, and so I thought, oh, no, I'll go on and study medicine and then I can learn more about how the, the body works. And so I did that. And, and yeah, the good thing about being a doctor is you're always learning new stuff. Things are always changing. There's new drugs on the market. Mm. and so it's one of those jobs where you're sort of constantly having to learn new stuff and, and do new things. We're not quite like that. Mm. Constantly evolving, I imagine, the medical yeah, profession. that's right. So how long have you been a doctor for? So I've been a doctor for uh, 20 years, and I've been a GP for 11 years. Mm.
0: Yeah, you yeah, must have seen, had quite a bit of experience in the role.
1: Yeah, it's the funny, GP. you know, it's quite a long time when I think about it like that but um, I did so as a GP i yeah, been a GP here in Australia for 11 years and before then I did a mixture of, of work in general practice but also in, in hospital work as well in sort of emergency departments and psychiatric hospitals and things like that
0: So you've had a lot of well-rounded experience in the role.
1: Yeah When did you first become aware
0: of FASD as a, as a disorder?
1: Um, so I learned about it during medical training and then uh, again, it's in general practice training as well. I did a, a job as a uh, in mental health and, and child psychiatry, and you learn a little bit about that there as well. So it's one of those conditions. Depending on where you're working and sort of what you know geographical location and, and in what specialty you're working, you may have quite a lot to do with seeing people with FASD, and or you might not necessarily. Uh, see too much about it in your day-to-day work but I think having done a bit more reading just recently developing a a resource for GPs around FASD it definitely seems to be something that's probably under-recognized perhaps and there's certainly lots of room for GPs to be a bit more aware about FASD and, and prevention as well as detection.
0: I'm just wondering In your time, 20 years of being a doctor, how much information about FASD has, like, has it grown? Has it, as you've learnt more about FASD, like the general medical profession over your 20 years, Has has it grown from being this small to being much bigger?
1: Well, I think certainly maybe in the last year or so, there's been a, I guess, more an awareness of the, the, in awareness of what we don't know about FASD in terms of the the number of people in in the country who have the condition, um, and there's some some research done to to sort of take stock of you know, or how many people do have FASD in Australia, and and it's quite difficult to to get the accurate numbers, and I think that yeah. made a lot of people think, oh well, we should probably know a bit more accurately, you know, how mm-hmm. many there are, and so I remember reading articles about that and and that there's some you know some improvements had to be made in how we how we measure uh the numbers of people suffering with FASD and and uh and and how it can be better uh managed and and uh and detected particularly at the gra- you know at the early yeah. stage you know at um in early childhood through through general practice screening or, yeah. or health clinic screening and things like that so I do I remember le- uh, sort of hearing a bit about that uh in the last year or so and then more recently with with the work I've been doing with this uh, uh, some local education.
0: So how important is it for a GP to ask a, a pregnant woman about her alcohol use?
1: Well, it's very important and it's a very difficult question at the same time yeah. because talking about alcohol in pregnancy can be quite a difficult thing to bring up sometimes. I mean, it seems like it should be a fairly ordinary thing to ask about but if a if a woman has been drinking in pregnancy or was was drinking heavily at some point without knowing they were pregnant, then they can obviously feel quite a lot of shame or embarrassment for for their behavior prior to knowing about pregnancy or or even even if they knew they were pregnant so It's something that has to be handled quite delicately and and sensitively. But at the same time, it's really important that we do ask those questions so that we're prepared for for any adverse outcomes throughout the the pregnancy or after the pregnancy. Are
0: doctors trained to ask the difficult questions like that? I imagine being a GP, there'd be a lot of difficult questions you'd have to ask. Do doctors Mm -hmm. have any training in that regard?
1: Well, I think... Not, not explicitly. Or I think that those sorts of things do come with experience. You know, the mm. more, the longer you are a, a doctor, and particularly a GP, because as GPs we spend more time face to face with patients than most other specialties, and so we have to get quite good at knowing, mm. you know, what we can ask without, uh, you know, causing offence, yeah. or and, and you know how to gauge different patients' personalities mm. and how we might approach them. But I think there's always room for more uh, more support and inst- and help to GPS around uh, those sorts of questions. We held some training just locally and we're putting together this this online resource for GPS to to maybe just give them some examples of questions like for example, when we see a, a lady who's, who's become pregnant and we have a whole bunch of things that we have to go through for the during that first sort of pregnancy assessment and you know about family history and how many times you've been pregnant before and do you have any medical problems and those sorts of things and sometimes it's the question about alcohol can be quite a quick question, know like and you know have you drunk any alcohol or, or have you uh, been a heavy drinker in the past or, or things like that but we often often we sort of ask about what's happening now and say oh and you know that there's no healthy amount of alcohol to drink during pregnancy and the woman might say yes i know that but perhaps we don't then explore that in a little bit more depth which perhaps we should you know maybe asking you know did how far along in the pregnancy did you find out that you were pregnant yeah because that might be a, a useful question because it may be that they didn't realise they were pregnant for, for a few weeks and maybe early on in the pregnancy they you know, drank quite a bit of alcohol, maybe had some, some parties or weddings or things like that that they went to. So I think maybe asking those sorts of questions in a little bit more detail would be, would be very useful for GPs to, to do.
0: Very beneficial, I imagine, especially when it's come to recommending resources for the patient in case. Is there that early in the pregnancy? Well, if you're pregnant, is there resources a doctor can recommend to the patient?
1: Well, we have. There are in terms of of alcohol use in pregnancy. There, there's state health support. So there's a Queensland Health. Uh, support page, uh, which is part of the, the general addictions page as well and there's, there are other, um, there's FASD hub which has some useful information as well for prevention as well as diagnosis of, of FASD so, so there are definitely worth you know, googling and, and having a look at those resources Definitely,
0: I, I love the FASD hub I've visited a few times just for this podcast mm-hmm. and I've learned bundles from them, that and no FASD uh, do you think it's important for GPS to be more aware of FASD as
1: a disorder? Yeah, I think so. I think so. It's it might be something that we don't tend to think of, or we think we think of it only in the context of women who are pregnant who have a history of of significant alcohol use. So it might we might think, oh, I need to keep an eye on this. Pregnancy because the mother has a significant alcohol problem, which is usually fairly obvious and they have other health problems because of their alcohol use. But I think GPs probably could do with just thinking a little bit more broadly about all women um, who may have, you know, had some alcohol overuse, if not, you know, a typical alcoholic picture, but just, you know, episodes of, of heavy alcohol use early in pregnancy or at any stage during pregnancy uh, and I think that's a little bit more subtle. We have sort of an interesting drinking culture in Australia you know mm. we, we do like to have a drink mm. um, and we have quite a binge drinking culture in Australia Yeah, where people would not necessarily see themselves as having a problem with alcohol but then if you ask them you know because they mm. you know they well I don't drink every day but if you ask them well how many drinks did you have on a saturday night yeah. then that might be a week's worth mm. in the one night. So so I think it I think we do have to like ask those sorts of questions about that binge drinking episodes as well.
0: It's important for if there's someone who's about to get pregnant for them to question their their drinking habits especially. Yeah. They might not realize how much they've been drinking and like like I said not many people realize how many how much they're drinking especially if they've been out binge drinking on weekends which is pretty average for australians
1: mm. yeah absolutely i mean really women who are of childbearing age uh, can get pregnant you know if, if they're yes. having sex and, and so that means that at any point they they could conceive and obviously that means it requires some responsibility around your alcohol intake but particularly anyone who's at risk of getting pregnant or having an unplanned pregnancy or even planning a pregnancy really needs to think about their their alcohol intake. There, there is no safe alcohol level in pregnancy. You know, often there's this families or mums will talk to their daughters and say, "Well, I you know I always had a glass of wine twice a week in my pregnancies and I was fine." And and many pregnancies are absolutely fine. But the the current guidelines are that uh, there is no safe. Alcohol consumption level in pregnancy, and really women probably should abstain throughout pregnancy.
0: yeah, I saw that I was reading the national health guidelines mm-hmm. and I, I do I a couple of the people I've interviewed mentioned that they've been recently changed in two thousand and nine well probably not recently ten years ago isn't that recent but mm. they've been changed in two thousand and nine from you could allowed to drink certain amounts how did how did we go from going from certain amounts to drinking none at all out of curiosity no one's able to kind of explain that
1: mm. I think it was so these, these, these were World Health Organisation guidelines and so I guess two things, one is the World Health Organisation is looking at all the problems of the whole of the world yeah. uh, and has a responsibility I guess to to all types of cultures and organisations and things like that um, and really the safest position is to say that you know drinking any anything in pregnancy could potentially cause harm. Yeah. Uh, there's the other part of it is that we don't know what the safe level is. So, yeah. you know, if we could easily say, oh well if you, you could have, you know, one beer a week mm-hmm. and that's fine then we would say that. But you can't do research on pregnant women and say, okay, we're going to give 100 pregnant yeah. women two beers a week and we're going to have 100 pregnant women four beers a week and see what happens. Mm. It's, you know, the ethics committee won't let you do that. Yeah, I <laughs> so, can imagine well,
0: so, everyone else would not be too yeah. happy with that. I imagine too. That's right. That's right. Very uh, interesting approach.
1: Yeah. So because of that, you know, we can't really scientifically say yeah. that there is a safe level of alcohol.
0: Well, now, time for the big question. This is the one I'd usually ask everyone. Oh, yeah. So is there more our listeners could be doing as individuals or we could be doing as a
1: society to prevent FASD? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think alcohol consumption as a cultural thing is is exactly it. It's a cultural thing, which means that it's something we're all part of. We all, we all have an idea of what we think is normal or acceptable and things like that. And it might be that, you know, as a culture, as a whole community, uh, we should be talking more about alcohol and pregnancy or or alcohol. If you might be at risk of getting pregnant, that that's not something that that really should be happening. And maybe we can start influencing each other as family members, you know, parents talking to their kids or uncles and aunts talking to their nieces and nephews, friends talking to friends and saying, you know, there's a chance you could get pregnant, maybe you shouldn't have a drink. Mm. You know, I think, I think opening up that discussion to try and change our, our culture around drinking generally, but also in the context of, of uh, women who potentially could get pregnant. Mm. Yeah.
0: Well, out of curiosity, just before I leave you, is there that GP resource you're giving, the directory? Mm-hmm. It'll have stuff concerning uh, FASD?
1: Yeah, so what what we've developed is is it's a resource for GPS. so so for GPS who may be less familiar with, with FASD and how to uh, arrange diagnostic testing and things yeah. like that from from a pediatrician. It has all that information in a web page, so GPS can go and look at that, and they can and they can have a look through and decide, you know, what are the features of FASD? Could this be a possibility here? And uh, and they can then refer appropriately. It also has within that same resource is some information on uh, alcohol intervention. You know, if, you, mm. if you're chatting with a with a lady who who has some issues with alcohol, then lots of useful information on, on how we can support that.
0: Awesome. So would you have any any GPs lessening? Would you have any recommendations for them? I know it's probably a big thing to ask, but any
1: recommendations? Uh, well, if you're living on the Sunshine Coast, you can have a look at the Health Sunshine Coast health pathways, mm. uh, for sure. Um, otherwise, the, the FASD hub is, is really good as well for health practitioners uh, mm. to look at as well.
0: We'll include all those links in the show. <laughs> yes. Well, I want you to thank you for all the work you've been doing, especially in the, the directory. I imagine that's going to help a lot of people, not just people... To, uh, to prevent FASB and all the, all the important questions there. Uh, yeah, I'd like to thank you, Dr. John, for coming in.
1: No problem. Pleasure. Thanks for having me, Kurt.
0: Thank you for listening to this episode of Pregnancy and Alcohol, The Surprising Reality. Please come back next week for the next episode of Our Little Podcast. Any questions about today's episode, then please check the links in the show notes for more information. Pregnancy and Alcohol, The Surprising Reality, was brought to you by Kurt Lewis and NOFASD Australia. All rights reserved. For more information about NOFASD then go to www.nofasd.org.au